clubhouse. I understand what's in this for me. Beyond your fee, what's in it for you, Beth? Because something's buried under this skin with you. I'm making you money, Bob. And I am digging a 200-square-mile moat around my father's ranch. I'm Sheila. Welcome to Pod Clubhouse coverage of Yellowstone. We are starting season two. This is episode one. It's called A Thundering, and I am just so excited to be talking about season two. Same. This episode was so amazing. I had forgotten how much of a bang this season starts off with. I know. You know, not for nothing, the end of this episode had so much more of a cliffhanger <laughs> than the end of season one. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about the end of season one, but yeah. this episode was just jam-packed. It was pretty busy, which was kind of our criticism of the, the early episodes of season one. It felt busy, but it wasn't like rushed, if yeah. that makes sense. I liked it because there, it really was so much action going on. Yeah, we got we got a lot of the bunkhouse. Yes, I love it. You know, Lloyd is really kind of coming to, he's bubbling up to the forefront for me. Mm-hmm. And like his Lloydisms are just, <laughs> they're just amazing. I love him. There was, there was a good few this episode. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to talk quickly just about like kind of taking a step back in time. So we're recording this the in the middle of December of mm-hmm. 2020, the dumpster fire that is this year. Um, so we're trying to harken back to days that we were not so stressed and, yeah. you know, where things were fun. So this episode, when it premiered in June of 2019, Yellowstone had ended their season as one of the highest watched cable shows. Yeah. The season premiere did not disappoint. It was one of the largest audiences on the airing of and same day and not surprising the highest demographic men and women in the 18 to 49 demographic <laughs> yeah <laughs> and while women don't typically trend towards westerns i think, I think they're making an exception for rip hmm, i wonder why so let me ask you a question so if somebody you think is coming into yellowstone they happen upon this podcast today and they're listening to it like oh let me check out season two could somebody pick up yellowstone season two and not have watched season one or pick up from what's happening here what happened last season I think if they watched season two, like a couple episodes, they could figure out what had been going on. But just based on episode one, probably not as to why. Yeah, no. They have some head scratching moments, I think. But I think that you could pick this up as sort of a new show and be like, all right, I'll I'll eventually get back to season one. But like I'm Mm -hmm. in for season two the backstory of the Dutton family that was laid in season one was it's just really important to understand their dynamic like the whole relationship with Jamie and John and Mm -hmm. the why Beth is like completely off her rocker (laughs) like it's good to have that information on them to kind of understand why they are the way they are you need to understand the backstory but like I think that you would if you just flip this on I think you would enjoy it but yeah for sure I mean you would enjoy the drama you would enjoy the like action and you'd be like well that was cool but as far as like being invested in the characters I still feel like you need the backstory yeah Mm -hmm. that I agree with in order like you would just enjoy this for what it is but you would yeah it's a good show can I tell you I had forgotten what happened in this episode so like we're watching this like basically one by one we're not going ahead even though we've seen it before we know overarching what happened but like the actual details this episode 
episode has like my favorite Yellowstone moment. I know. It's so good. Is it the bull in the bar? It's a bull in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Like when I saw that, I was like, that was, th- that was this early? Yes. Well, what's funny is because I'm kind of rewatching with my husband too, and he remembers. He was like, oh, is this the episode with such? I'm like, how do you know that? Like, all I said was I'm watching the first episode of season two, and he was like, oh, is that the one with the bull in the bar? I was like, how? Like, wow. I don't remember that. That's impressive. That is like, impressive. to me, this is like basically watching it it's, it's brand new. for the first time because I'm, yeah, it's like but one listen, Like, it's been a year and a half. Yeah. I mean, and come on. a lot's happened. Moms, like, we cram so much more crap in our brains. Yeah. The mom brain has like 38 tabs. Yeah. On a or good more. day. On a on, good day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On yeah. a busy day, it's like 87, yes. 94. <laughs> yeah. So, Things- in the fact that I remember the entire premise of the show, we're doing good. That is impressive recall, though. It was really fun to watch it, sort yeah. of like like new. And then when you see something, you're like, oh, yeah, oh, my gosh. And then also because, like, season one is so fresh in our minds. Like, there's yes. a lot of parallels. And, and season three, for that matter, too. Because, like, we, season two, we waited, like, a whole, a whole year. year. So yeah. it's like you forget. I wanted to ask you how much time do you think has passed between season one and then this first episode? Mm, not much. Maybe a couple of weeks. I don't even think, wait, I don't even think that. All right, let me hear what you think. And then I'll, then I'll, the reason I question it was Monica. We leave Monica in season one, like an invalid in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah. Like she was just discharged from like the ICU. Yes. And then season two, episode one, she's walking, which if you have a brain injury, that's, that could happen quickly, but she's ready to take on like two full-time jobs. Right. And she's like, well, I can handle both. I can work at the university and at the school. And I'm thinking, you just had a brain injury, woman. Like, no, right. you can't. So in my mind, it made it seem like several months later. The only reason I didn't think several months was because, like, the election is not Yeah, because of away. Jamie. So that's what made me think maybe a couple of weeks because they had, you know, they were shopping for his new right. candidate. But, yeah, I mean, I guess the timeline is a little fluid. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but the crossed my mind i'm like well it doesn't seem like that much further along in time but monica sure made a miraculous recovery right her hair's regrown yeah like she's got long hair like this girl she's like like, when you have a brain you know when you have brain surgery they shave yeah which i think in the grand scheme of the show it doesn't matter but those type of things stick out in my head. Yeah. When I watch TV shows, I'm like, wait, that's not probable. Like, well, because we talked about that in season one, too. We're like, God, like these guys are having like tremendous weeks. Yeah. Like, there's all these earth shattering things. Like, are is this happening. all happening in one day? Yeah, exactly. So it, it kind of feels a little condensed, but only because of the election that's mm-hmm. forthcoming. So it can't be all yeah. that long. And You're it's right. definitely not summertime in Montana. I'm getting from like what they're, I mean, it's not quite wintertime yet. So like there isn't snow yet in Montana. But I, th- I feel like the election is definitely because we kind of left it was summertime ish when because like was they it? were fishing on the lake they were fishing in the river right when uh, Sarah like but sailed the... by and saw John summer Montana I, I mean keep on you're in Texas where it's I like you know yeah. hot until January I mean it's it's actually technically snowing here today just to give you a little bit frame of reference so this morning it was like forty in in Texas that's cold so we had like jackets it's cold here too (laughs) okay and then it's 78 like right now just a few hours later so i'm like literally taking off my jacket like i'm hot like I'm like switching to flip flops at this point. So 40 degrees is a big swing in the day. I mean, like it started out as like 35 (laughs) this morning when I woke up and now that I looked at before, I was like, it's sleeting. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I don't have to go anywhere. It's 2020. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Now, where am I going? So we left with some cliffhangers. Yeah. At the end of season one. Everybody was a cliffhanger. Everybody, yeah. But I mean, it wasn't like a nail biter, like... No. The way that this episode ended, if that was the end of season one, that would have been, you know, with John's mm-hmm. MASH field hospital <laughs> <laughs> surgery. <laughs> but I think the biggest cliffhanger we left with at the end of season one, do you think, was Jamie? Yeah. For him to write this tell-all article against his dad, like, it's a pretty big nail in a coffin for you, Jamie, I think. Yeah, there's not a lot of coming back from basically nailing your father to the wall. Right. Well, especially when your dad is John Dutton. Yeah. So that was, to me, like a big, like, what's going to happen to Jamie? Yeah, because we were forecasting, like, a a train station moment for him. Yes. (laughs) And we didn't really see any of that today, like, in Yeah, there wasn't a lot on him, considering how Mm -hmm. big this is going to be, basically. Were you surprised to see that he's living with Christina? Uh, No, I mean, what's his only, what's his other option? Because otherwise he's homeless? He has zero (laughs) dollars. Well, you would think maybe he would have a savings account, but unless John took all that, but. Well, yeah, I mean, Beth took the bank cards and the keys to his car, and so he's. He's he's got nothing. He's like 19 years old again, living in college. (laughs) He's got nothing. He's got his girlfriend. Yeah, I have to like I'm being petty right now, but her walls irritated me to a point. Like her you know walls. when they yeah when they like pan back to show like the posters and like, uh-huh. pictures on the yes, wall. So I was like, has- okay, thumbs up for Barack Obama, thumbs up for the women's suffragette thing. But like, uh-huh. if your dreams don't scare you, then they're not big enough. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, that was a huge eye roll. Like in your apartment, it's not even at your office. Like, right. come on. yeah, come on, save the inspirational crap for your office. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just feel like Jamie just looks so bewildered. It had, I think it had less to do with Christina's ability to be so perky and so whirlwindy at the, right after waking up, like brushing your teeth. <laughs> and he just looks so bewildered. Um, yeah. I don't know why she bugs me, but she just bugs me. She's getting more and more annoying. I think what it is is like, so he goes to get coffee and then when she he goes back, she's like already perfectly like put together yes which the line he said the line was long but whatever and then she like gives herself <laughs> this like creepy stare in the mirror and i could just hear this like internal voice and she's like you are strong you are beautiful you this. are amazing yes. like <laughs> i was like picturing her like running through her head like today's the day that you're gonna like take over the world <laughs> can i tell you in my notes i literally have the more i encounter christina the more i don't like her but i wrote down creepy mental pep talk <laughs> i mean seriously but jamie in the coffee shop first <laughs> yes. of all how out of place did he look he's just like looking at the board looking at the barista looking at the coffee like well he's i like, just want a cup of coffee like how do i order coffee just the look on his face when she's like appalled that he's just like taking the coffee and drinks. Like the look that like I feel like this is a metaphor for how out of control he feels in his life that this yes. is the only thing that he can like control at this moment. <laughs> he's like, just give me the coffee. He didn't pay for his coffee. That's what I said. <laughs> he just like walked out. He just like walked out with, with the pour over. And then like Christina has this pretentious comment about like, you know, the mark of a, a growth of a town. <laughs> Is like decent coffee, and it's just like, ugh. yeah, she's starting to suck. Yeah, I mean, I think Beth was right about her, right? But yeah, okay. Well, so that's it. That's all we got from Jamie. That's like, it. what? So I'm guessing uh, the article hasn't come out yet. No, of course not. The way that they had him like disheveled, like you just said, mm-hmm. and then when he went to get coffee, I noticed like he had 
gotten like fully dressed in like a form fitted shirt, like button up, like his hair was back to being like unable to move. <laughs> it's like, you're just going to get coffee, man. So it was like, why did he do that? Is he still, I don't know. It's like his habit. He can't not like be that person or does it matter? Is that just reading too much into it? But I did sort of think like, well, why'd you, if you're just going downstairs to get coffee, like i probably would not have fixed my hair whatever, well he's running for guys. an office that's yeah so but i mean so, like the, whatever the guy equivalent of like throwing your hair in a ponytail and yeah just, like i would have just know, done that like put a hat on or something you know changing out of the the pj pants into like the street sweatpants <laughs> right <laughs> but I, I mean i think it probably has more to do with the fact that he is running for office that's and, true that's you know true. there could be a, a throng of reporters going why aren't you at the dutton ranch <laughs> that's true too how do you feel about these dream sequences where they like snap you out of the dream like Ugh. when i have them personally they're very it's terrifying jarring <laughs> yeah yes. um those are usually things that i can't usually fall back asleep from for yep. a long time so that's like my body's way of saying like hey sheila go down and get a cookie <laughs> <laughs> you need some ice cream i don't know this this one was weird like this so the season actually opened with this dream sequence from rainwater what did the dream signify for you it was sort of after a fight type of scenario like their dan is like beat up and bloodied and he's like burned yeah he doesn't look so good and then you're in a war i don't know like what did you think the person who was like running down the hill on fire Uh um and the tree burning was kind of like what the imagery that it brought to me was like scorched earth. Mm-hmm. So like if you're in a war, which is what you just said, either if you're the retreating army and you're like running away from the enemy and you start burning everything in between you and the person who's pursuing you, that's because yeah. you're like scorched earth. So like whatever, like the spoils of war would be, you would have none of it. So right. like, that's kind of where I was going with that. It might be a little too deep. I don't know, but it's like, basically like if, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to take everything with me. It wasn't like the entire earth was scorched, but it was just the imagery that like, that's what conjured up in my mind. Like either John is the one who's sending off like this, these signals of a fire and burning. And the only reason I thought that was because Dan was sort of really in a bad way in this dream sequence. So that's kind of what I was like, I don't know. I was thinking maybe too long and too hard about it, but the land won't be usable to anybody at the end of this. Oh, I don't know. We'll have to see. But even I remember watching it the first time a year and a half ago, this whole dream sequence did not, it jarred me then and it jarred me now. I mean, John would be someone who would like destroy the property before letting you get it. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. It would just be one of these like, well, if if, if I can't have it, then you can't have it. Yeah. But no one sure. can have it. For Dan to like, then in the dream, bring the gun up to Rainwater's face and it's just Ooh. like, he wakes up. It's like, whew. I know. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, yeah. Not pleasant. The only other part really about Rainwater, so he didn't factor in, you know, in timeline-wise very much into this episode, but this next segment was very telling for me mm-hmm. when he meets with the tribal leaders about the new casino plans. I don't, it hadn't occurred to me up until this point that he really hadn't consulted with the other tribal leaders. <laughs> it was just him and Dan throughout all of season one making their plans. Oh, yeah. Well, and Mo. Mo was there. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you think Rainwater came across to you in this meeting? He was arrogant. I mean, to him just saying, like, I don't really need your approval. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess this is like a formality that they have to go through, but he wasn't looking for their approval anyway. Like, he's not interested. He knew what he was doing going into it. He had his, his elevator speech ready. Yeah. 
he basically insulted the reservation by saying that your casino is not a destination. He was brash in saying that I'm going to do to the white men what they've been doing to us. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's something that the tribal leaders thought of when Rainwater was doing this pitch about Paradise Valley. Right. He's going to do exactly back to them by annexing the land and making it part of the reservation, therefore taking back something. Yeah. He didn't think anything of it in terms of, like, their refusal or their reluctance to go along with him. Like, he didn't think of that at all. Yeah, no. He seemed kind of sinister, too. Like, they had a good point of, like, why are you not just using that money to improve our reservation and improve what we have here, improve our casino? Like, that's a good point. Like, if you, we brought you on, did they elect him or whatever? But he's he's there now because they wanted him to change the reservation. And, like, now it just looks like he's out for money. And he's like, well, yeah, it's going to help you, but. I'm doing this anyway. Right. And like out for himself. nearly. Yeah. I thought they had a good point. The council was just saying like, what do you like? Why wouldn't you just focus on what we do have and improving that? At least he was honest. (laughs) In a way, it was almost like in their face. Like you guys never thought to do this. Like you never thought that this was going to be something that we could do. And then you said like arrogant, like I don't need your vote. Yeah. Because now they, they see the cha-ching, the dollar signs. If they're going to own the land and it's a casino and it's more of a, a central location, they're not stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's but just... he's also going to piss off the people who he does eventually need the support of. So Right. Yeah. With that, his attitude and the way he came across, it's like he's not doing himself any favors if he needs their help later on. Exactly. Yeah. It's like burning a bridge. Going back yeah. to the dream sequence about burning and scorched Ooh, earth. Ooh, good one. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Just to keep it all circular. <laughs> Building on a feet. Oh, goodness. I was say, speaking of a mess. Yeah, and other people who like to burn bridges and piss off people just for the fun of it. Yes. Beth. Oh, Beth. She is so fun sometimes. My first big question, why is she not drinking? Hey, maybe she's sober. She'd had enough of the emotional torture from season one that she's just like, dude, I need to get on the wagon. Oh, yeah, she is. She did say that. The governor told her, you know, that you can't proceed unless you get some help. And Mm -hmm. I don't don't know if she's getting help or more. She's just doing self-help. Well, it's still before noon. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite five o'clock anywhere yet. I know. I'm just kidding. She definitely seems more focused in this episode. Like she's back on track with her plan and her devious schemes. And it's like she has these breakdowns and moments, but it's like she's pulled herself together at this point and is ready to work yeah like she doesn't look disheveled this episode where she's looked pretty horrid you know in prior episodes and then she's very lucid with her boss so that whole scene (laughs) just had me rolling i love it like who talks to their boss that way yes oh my gosh i'm confused okay so basically i can't square her feelings about the ranch in one breath the end of last season she's telling her dad that she's going to start selling the ranch Mm -hmm. piece by piece starting with the dining room table after he's gone and now she's setting up a a moat a moat like a bernie madoff style pyramid scheme yeah i can't understand her motivations because she's wavering back and forth so maybe this is part of her lucid moments where she's like oh 
I can save the ranch, make a ton of money, and everyone's happy. That's what I mean. Like, it feels like she's just got her shit together today. Like, maybe tomorrow she falls apart again. But, like, today she's focused. This is the plan. I'm going to get this done. She's getting the office space. She's telling the plan to Bob, like, getting him on board. So it just feels like she's sort of picked herself up at this moment, focused, ready to work. So I'm not sure that she's different or recovered, but I think it's like today she's got her act together. So the ranch is like very back and forth for her. Like she's cares a lot about what her dad wants, but then also doesn't at this point. I think she's like he, John wants her to save the ranch. So she's going to do this for him. Given the chance she would sell it for the money. Do you know what I mean? Right. No, I agree. But at the same time herself up, at the same time that she's trying to save his ranch. like So, right. So, say he lives another 30 years. Well, they're going to net $46 million a year yeah. in revenue. So, she'll get a nice she'll, payday now. And right. then a really nice payday at the end, especially if they can inflate the prices. So, the thing that I was con- trying to, like, figure out is, like, so the hedge fund is going to own the land around the Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. She would not necessarily get the commission from the sale of that land. But, like, if they, no. are, if they create this buffer to protect the Yellowstone... Then she's in. I think they're in a good place. Yeah, but she's no different than Jenkins. I think because she, what she's doing is she's going to push off all the ranchers, yeah. you know, off their land, driving up home prices that are for the people who are left because now the the demand is so is going to be higher than the supply. Yeah. So basically, she's no better than Jenkins. This is all about the money and the moat around the ranch. Like she, that's the only motivation she has towards John. But mostly, it's about the money. It's like she's doing this because he asked her to, and this is a plan she came up with, and it's going to make her a lot of money. So right. why not? <laughs> why not? And then just the conversation that she has with her boss about being fixed for junk. It's just <laughs> not appropriate. Oh, I love it. Oh. She is kind of the only person on the show who has set. <laughs> Yeah. Well, her and we find out Avery later on. Yeah. Avery's the only cowboy who's got any balls. Yeah. That scene was hilarious to me. And I like how Bob is like chuckling at the end. He's like, oh my God. He's like, like I just need another drink yeah. from anyone. From anyone. <laughs> Did she kiss him? She kissed him on the lips, huh? Yeah. I don't kiss my boss. Nope. Just, nope. I don't tell him. <laughs> She said, I always knew you tucked it in your sock. I'll die. I was like, oh, my God. I don't even tell that to friends of mine. I don't know who says that. Oh, my God. That's pretty funny. Beth knows. Like, I mean, he's a man. Like, stroke his ego. Like, that's going to get you what you want. Well, she knows how to to phrase things so that this way it becomes even more appealing because now there's sex appeal on top of $46 million a year. (laughs) Right. The whole scheme was, like, massively complicated, though. I was just like, what? I know. I paused it to write it down just to try to, like, comprehend. So basically. Not that it matters. Yeah. So they're going to, like, drive up the the price of the land. It's basically in the name of conservation. Yeah. So like the land won't be farmed. It won't be. So it'll be basically like almost like an extension. Yeah. An extension of like the Yellowstone National Park. Exactly. Kind of, sort of. But you get paid not to farm it or or rent it. Yeah. So and obviously the price of that has to be better than what they would be getting from people who were paying mortgages. But it was just massively complicated. That's why I put like Bernie Madoff like pyramids. (laughs) (laughs) Only if that works. Like, yeah, and I feel like this is something that she's probably not going to tell John about right away. No. Only because, first of all, he'll be like, wait, what? <laughs> I understand a moat, but what is all the other crap? 
then if anybody else figures out that plan, they could do the same thing, right? And well, get a she piece said of the yes. Pie. She said that there's not a lot of pieces. So Dan Jenkins would have the money, like, to build something. He but he wouldn't, have the money, yeah. he wouldn't have the money to do what they're doing because it take, it's a, a high-dollar investment that's going to take a couple of years to yes. realize gains. Right. And Dan Jenkins is, like, strapped for cash. He doesn't have a penny. Right. Two He's, pennies like, together, so. overly leveraged. Yeah. So. so he can't do something like that. No. And not, neither can Rainwater. But I don't right. even think that he's on her radar. No. Like, she's still squarely focused on Jenkins and or right. the problems that he's causing her. The next part of her grand scheme is to screw Jamie. <laughs> so she finds <laughs> this, like, pretty little blonde girl to come be the attorney general candidate. Like, who, what? Who is this girl? <laughs> can we talk? So John has this chuckling moment when he's reviewing the candidate with her. Rodeo queen. She's on magazines. Her name is Cassidy. Cassidy. <laughs> yeah. And um, she looks like Beth. And then when she actually comes to the ranch, she looks just like teenager Beth. Yeah. Like that cat, like that is some good casting. <laughs> she's walking into the minefield and she's like, Well, I don't understand. Like, you have your like, son who's running yeah. for AG. I mean, John is delicate and he just kind of sidesteps those landmines, but not Beth. <laughs> I feel like Cassidy should sort of pick up on a few red flags right yeah, here. Yeah. I mean, she does look uncomfortable, but then yeah. Beth changes the subject and brings up yeah. her wounded veteran charity. Like adding perfection on top of perfect. Yeah. And then she explains her charity and John's like, well, I mean, you got my vote. Like, I'm like, sold. <laughs> like, okay. I don't know if you picked up on like when she's walking in and she meets Beth, she's just like wowed by the house mm-hmm. and wowed by Beth. Like, I don't think she's, you know, she's really showing her small town girl. Yes. She's like a small town beauty queen. That's yeah. basically And she she's just not comfortable around the money and not comfortable yeah. around the lavishness that the Duttons live in. Whatever red flags she might be picking up on, I think they're squashing in a very tactile kind of a way. Or yeah. um, they're talking about her, her past and they're talking about her charity. Basically sweeping Jamie under the rug like he's insignificant and I'll get you the vote. Don't you worry. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, this this looks like she's a shoo-in to win. <laughs> you've got the livestock commissioner behind you like how is this plan that beth has about you know gobbling up all of the the land around the yellowstone going to square with john's role as the livestock commissioner because you remember like he was at the dinner the last season and like, mm-hmm. like the stockman's dinner and you know all these cowboys were there all these ranchers were there and you know he oh. was chastising jamie for not being there because that's his constituency like how john gonna square with these these men really that he that have elected him livestock commissioner if his family's going to now be pushing them off their land that's a really good point like i didn't put that together i mean the governor already wants him to step down but he has no intentions of it they're sort of not going to pick up on that plan for the next like two years right it's going to take time to buy all this land and but i mean they're going to start noticing when you know joe bob smith gets bought and then the one next to him gets bought and you know then Jimmy's grandfather's one is bought, you know. As, as I mean, the all... next election is within, what, a couple months. So you're bringing up a very good point that pretty soon this is going to turn even more on him. Like, you're the one. You're trying to fight for your job. And here you are at the same time undermining ours. people. Right. And taking our livelihood. That's a really good point. No, I mean, John doesn't know about this plan, so. Yeah, so right now he's got, he's got, deni- he's got deniability for right now. Yeah. So John finds that Dan is alive and well. 
last we saw Dan, he was a uh, top of a horse with a yeah. noose around his neck. He's like hanging from a tree. Literally hanging from a tree. <laughs> Literally hanging from so a tree. So cut him down? I don't know. Well, it wasn't Casey. Casey walked off. Yeah, Casey walked off. I'd say it was Lloyd or Jimmy. No, really? Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy would get beat up for doing that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it was somebody without uh, the brand then. I don't know. But one of them did it. No, it had to be. I mean, Rip's the only one who really has like... Authority. I would call it authority yeah. yeah, to make that decision. So, like, I thought the blood between these two was bad before. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Love it. This one's just nasty. I mean, John's like, oh, it's so good to see you eating solid food. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They're so snotty. It was like, downright nasty because it dance yes. like, oh, I haven't seen you since your son died. Oh. Yeah, that was, it was nasty. (laughs) I like when Jenkins was like, why would I leave? I love Montana. (laughs) I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. It's taunting. They were, like, taunting each other. It was was very nasty, though. And he he doesn't want John to go to jail because he wants him there when they Mm -hmm. take the Yellowstone from him. It's just... Thank God the waitress said to John, your breakfast is ready just to break it up. It was going to be one of these moments like, let's step outside. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that that could have ended. Other than, come get your bacon and eggs. (laughs) Yeah. Breakfast was served. I mean, and it ended with a threat. Like, John's like, well, next time I'm going to do it myself. Like, yeah. I mean, do you think Jenkins, like, why didn't he go to the cops? Well, I, I think he probably didn't go to the cops because he probably doesn't want the exposure. Because we already mm-hmm. see how shifty and shady Sheriff Donnie... Well, well, you know what? Why doesn't he go to the cops? Because Sheriff Donnie now has a membership at the club that he obviously can't afford. So it was gifted mm. to him. And I have big air quotes happening there. Yeah. So, like, Sheriff Donnie would probably be in his corner. Yeah. And just another way to stick it to John. Unless he doesn't want it to come to light, all the business dealings that are sort of not solidified yet that he doesn't want to expose yeah that's probably more to the point i think well like he he's kind of alluded like he wants the fallout to be bigger than that yeah like he's i think he's saving up the big guns for when like Mm -hmm. the yellow like when he's got the yellowstone like when i can actually like drive my tank onto your property and force you out kind of thing like he wants the war yeah he wants yeah he wants the big like you know battle battle scene he wants the next version of the cattle battle exactly the cattle battle how many more times can we say that if this, if you're drinking along with our podcast <laughs> oh then i will first shot i will work that in more yes <laughs> the, the steph and sheila drinking game <laughs> that's fun sorry <laughs> the the blood between them is so much worse now that i just feel like the gloves are off between these two and it's just gonna get so much worse yeah for sure can, can we talk about how disgusting the next part was with john with john so not only was there some animal husbandry going on that he's overseeing poor jimmy yeah. gagging it was so disgusting aren't you so glad you're not a freaking rancher cowboy um yeah well first of all i wouldn't survive the cold days that that would be my first hurdle um i'm not afraid of working hard but there's certain things that i can't do because of the smell factor (laughs) well i can't imagine the smell of what jimmy was doing but the smell of what happens afterwards in this this little scene here yeah so when john collapses in the, the corral yard yeah not for anything like kudos to him for having a ruptured ulcer 
when the vet trailer is there. Right. I mean, it was it was disgusting. So she says that she has to cauterize the wound because otherwise he'll mm. bleed out going to the hospital in her quick little diagnostic <laughs> situation there. She gets an x-ray done in 30 seconds and, and I'll yeah. be like, kudos to her. She was good. But when he she said that she's going to have to cauterize the wound, oh, I, I caught the smell of that in my nose. Oh. The cauterizing has to be one of the worst smells in the world. Gross. I don't know if I know it. I'm Ugh. trying to think of like when I no, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I've worked in a hospital for a number of years, so like, um, I've had the opportunity to like outside of an operating room when there was an orthopedic surgery going on and there was cauterizing going on, and it is it's gross. So if you're queasy, gross. just turn on, just hit you right now. It's the smell of burning flesh is really Ew. what it is. Yeah, it's nasty. So um, I could smell that in my nose as that whole scene was going on. So again, we're back to like the grossness of this show and showing the medical procedures up close and personal. But you know, John's a man's man, and he's yeah. a cowboy, <laughs> and he like, just he just cut takes me open. It's fine. Me. So yeah, a little mash, little mash hospital going on there in the vet trailer. I think my thing too, like I wouldn't be able to hold somebody down like that, like to have like. <laughs> A procedure on my loved one like i'm holding them down like that to me is i mean also like i've had to hold terrible. my kid down for like a week to have a blood draw and i literally had to, it's terrible and he's had to have three covid tests in the in the course of this this year and i literally had to like bear hug him yes to to do that it's so it's, it's bad enough when they're like little babies and they're like okay hold them still but when they're nine yeah like and they can literally like knock you down it's yeah. terrible yeah i know like we my seven-year-old have... is is pretty strong yeah we had to have uh, my son sedated for oral surgery and literally like adults were holding him down and yeah. he's like, he literally like kicked me in the chest. And I'm like, this is terrible. Yeah. I remember I was like seven years old. I had to have stitches in my foot. Oy. It took like my mom was laying across. I remember my mom was laying across my, like the top half of my body. So she was like laying across my, my midsection mm-hmm. and there was a male nurse and a female nurse holding my legs down. Yeah. While the doctor was trying to suture, and I was writhing, I looked like something out of The Exorcist. <laughs> I was trying to bite my mom because, like, she was the nearest oh. thing to me, and she was like laying across my arms. Terrible. So yeah, so I can only imagine like holding someone down as you're opening them up without yeah. anesthesia. Ugh. I mean, she injected like some like equivalent of Demerol. That yeah. is nothing, right? A band aid yeah. situation. Yeah, that's like nothing. <laughs> But yeah, I was hold, I was trying to hold my son down, and I'm like, tears are streaming down my face. I'm going, it's okay, you're fine, it's okay, and I'm like, and then he how terrifying is that for your mom to be kicked in the chest, <laughs> and then now like the wind is knocked out of you on top of everything else. <sighs> I know. But we're talking about children, but still, I mean, to hold someone down like in pain, that would just be hor- horrible too. So this scene, it's always they always got to bring it around with the Yellowstone man, like. Yeah. But then, Somebody's... you know, the helicopter takes him. He's stabilized, right? So he's able to talk. So he yeah, passes out from the pain. Like, I mean, like, it had to happen. Good. But then, like, Thankfully. the helicopter comes and, you know, he's he's lamenting with KC that there's so much to undo. That's a big statement to me. Like, so much to undo. Yeah. It was... Like, what does that mean? I mean, when he was thinking that the cancer was taking hold at the end of last season, he was like, there's so much to do. Yeah. When he was talking to Rip. And now he's like, there's so much to undo. So I'm like, hmm. I know. That was a big question mark to me. Like, what does he mean by that? Yeah. That was a lot. And that's how this, the episode ended. So I'm like, oh, boy. I mean, that was a big question that we had at the end of season one was how much longer does John have? Now we know he's not dying. 
well, it's not the cancer, obviously. It's yeah. uh, it's a ruptured, which is fixable, treatable. Yeah, if he if he can survive the helicopter ride. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks so based on that. It looks like he's got some time now. Yeah. So, so he's got some plans to see to fruition. I hope. Yeah. So I had Monica and Casey up next because, for as much as they featured in season one, this was a really short like stint with them this this mm-hmm. episode like for all the emotional weight that happened literally in those that two-part ender this was like i needed more well like i said yeah it's like you can't tell where they are with this because you don't know how much time has passed and then like seeing casey just stop by to try to see tate like this has this been like how long has it been and what's the arrangement and what's happening and it sounds like they don't have a plan and maybe has he not seen tate since yeah, you know, I, the... I couldn't tell. Yeah. Because, you know, and what you said at the beginning about the time that's elapsed, Monica rode up to the house in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Now she's walking around with just a cane. Yeah. Casey's upset with her. Like, you can't keep Tate away from me. You know, you get the feeling that it's not just about this moment. Right. You know, that maybe this is the first time that she's actually, like, agreed to have Casey come see him or something, and then he fell asleep. I mean, I think I like what she said. I just think she's right in saying that she's not trying to keep him from Casey, but trying to just protect him from what he from seeing all of his actions catch up to him. Like he's right. Like you don't want to see your dad taken away in handcuffs or whatever. So which almost happened. Well, I mean, it did happen to Casey. It did happen. But Monica shielded Tate from seeing it. She's not wrong in that. She's just trying to protect Tate. But it's sad to see. And then Casey being sort of unsure about. Like, well, should I wake him up or what do I do? Like, yeah, it's... but that's all we got. Like, we don't know what else is happening with them. Like I said earlier, I can't believe she's like thinking of taking on two jobs at this point. Right. So she meets with the, the dean or the president of the university. Yeah. And wants the job in American history. Yeah. So she tells him that the plan is to do mornings at the high school and afternoons and evenings at the university. Where does that leave Tate? Like, these things are not close together. The reservation yeah. is far from just about everything. And the university, I believe, is in Bozeman, which is probably not close to the reservation by any stretch of the imagination, intentionally. I don't know. It just seems like an impossible feat for her at this point. Like, how are you going to do that? But that's where her head is. Like, thinking about how she's going to take care of her kid. It's seemingly without Casey at this point. Yeah, it looks like it's just her and Grandpa or Papa. Papa. Yeah, I'm not sure, like, how she's going to work all of this. Right. I'm sure she has therapies and things that she still has to go through in order to regain the uh, the level of independence that she had prior to the accident. But the conversation that she had with the president of the university, <laughs> it left me uncomfortable. I don't know about you. <laughs> yes. Where, the, you know, she's talking about, like, you know, what would she be teaching and... He says, from Columbus to the Declaration of Independence. And she just goes on this diatribe. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes it really personal, too. Like, involving her grandfather, saying that he was taken away by the Bureau of Indian Affairs. And they changed his name yeah. from Long Spirit along. Because she doesn't want to be known as Mrs. Dutton. So it's airing some dirty laundry. Because that's enough of a signal to a friend of the Duttons that something is wrong there. Yeah. That she doesn't want to be known as Mrs. Dutton. Then also the fact that she's going to be teaching genocide in the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> I don't ever think he's heard that point of view before. What do you think? Right? No, he just... 
sort of looked a little bit like surprised. Yeah. Like, okay. But I'm kind of proud of her for standing up for her beliefs or at least saying that out loud to him. Like, that's pretty bold. Yeah. I thought. <laughs> it's like, dang, girl. Yeah. But maybe this is like where she feels she's at. Like, she's got to figure out how to take care of Tate on her own, I guess. And this might be her way to find independence from Casey and the Duttons. Right. Damn it, Monica. Because eventually university jobs do pay well. And at some point, she'll opt for the university over the reservation. So that us with the bunkhouse. So much happening with our boys. So much. I love these guys. And gals now. And Avery. And Avery. Her disruption to the bunkhouse is, is pretty hilarious. I love it. Um, I don't know if she's just naturally this brash or if she's just trying to prove herself. I mean, I've, I get the feeling that this is just who she is. I mean, she's works around men and she's a stripper so she's gotten used to defending herself and taking care of herself being strong and and being on the defensive and knowing but i think she also really enjoys making them uncomfortable oh of course like she relishes in that why not (laughs) and then we get a new cowboy in the bunkhouse literally named cowboy cowboy his joining the bunkhouse only intensifies the the disruption Mm -hmm. because he's definitely like egging them on yeah, just about every interaction. Yeah, it's so funny. I love he's calling him out. So with the bunkhouse, we actually got Taylor Sheridan making an appearance again at the yes. very beginning. Way to go for him to you know find his way back in. So I really enjoy the scenes where the ranchers, you know, the the bunkhouse boys, they're on their horses, they're doing their cowboy thing. I really like it because it gives the show such a level of authenticity, I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the whole, I felt bad for the dogs. The dogs were getting trampled. I know. I kind of thought that. I was like, I'm looking at the end. I'm like, no animals were harmed in the making of this. (laughs) Because like, there's one point a bull definitely tramples a dog. For real? I heard the sound and I was like, wait, what? Oh. So. Could have done without that. Can we talk about this guy, Cowboy, who comes in? So I I want to talk about in the framework of Rip. Rip definitely noticed Cowboy, you know, chatting with Casey about the employment situation and, like, John directing him over to Casey. Right? Like, that's a shift, right? Yeah. So I'm, like, wondering what this is, A, going to do to the frosty relations between Casey and Rip. Mm-hmm. And, like, why wouldn't John have had a conversation with Rip about this? Because, like, he's had a conversation with Rip about things that he hasn't even spoken to his own children about. Right. I do think it's a little bit weird, the relationship between John and Rip, because you would think after taking someone in at 13 or whatever, you know, you're the boss, but still, at some, you talk to your coworkers. So after all these years, he would know a lot about the guy. Like, they would be close friends, right? Even if he's still the boss. So sometimes when he's, like, icy to Rip or, or like... In this scenario where he just sort of ignored Rip's current status and directed this guy to Casey, like that's a that's a slight on Rip. Like, why would John not have enough respect for Rip to talk to him? And then, yeah. like the last interaction we saw with Rip and John, John was telling Rip, "Don't call me John. Don't call me yeah. Sir. Call me John. Call me John." Right. Whereas, like now you're in you're bringing in a level of familiarity that now you've just like it's like two steps forward, three steps back. I think so too. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it, and I understand that John wants to protect Casey, and and is already in a bad situation. But this is just a. It's not going to bode well between Rip and Casey, who already mm-hmm. have like a beat the snot out of each other kind of a relationship. <laughs> and now Rip and Cowboy are not going to be seeing eye to eye because Rip is already like, well, you are the embodiment of like me being pushed down yeah. on the totem pole. I just feel like Rip is not an emotionally evolved 
person to kind of like sidestep those those feelings you know it's like you're the problem and i'm not gonna like you so yeah that was one of the things i was just like this was like the big like 800 pound gorilla for me it's like and then like the look on rip's face even though he has sunglasses on like you can tell that he's just annoyed yeah at seeing this like that's just not right it's not right no it's just not right like for john to not at least acknowledge rip's position on the ranch like rip does way more on the ranch than casey does <laughs> rip does way more than anybody on this ranch exactly and has taken care of more quote-unquote problems than yes, anybody like he's the guy things. like yeah like i would guy. say him and lloyd are probably the closest in the trust fold for john with like the yeah. things that we've seen them do already yeah so then why it's like this little slight of like oh well, you get to be hired by casey instead of rip like that just sucks like that's not right so whatever, John. Yeah. Could it could have, like <laughs> it just extended a small minor courtesy to Rip and be like, hey, listen, yeah. there's been a change in operations. Right. Slightly. We're going in a new direction. Right. Like what, what buzzwords can we bring in? <laughs> right. You've been outsourced. <laughs> so it's like at least have the awkward conversation. Like exactly. be nice. But poor Rip. Come on, man. But like cowboy now. Mm-hmm. This guy He's fun. Yeah. But he's weird. Yeah. I, I just feel like he's very defensive, like, at the first, like, lunch conversation. And then, like, also, how defensive is it to, like, not have a name or not yeah. share your name? It, it just feels shady to me. It's like, you don't want anyone to know who you are. Are you on the run? Are you fugitive? <laughs> are you just well, intensely private? But, you know, <laughs> like, there's just an air of mystery about him. But, um, you know, I just found, I found it funny that him and Walker actually knew each other. Yes. And Walker's trying to give him the the lowdown. I know. I, d- I did find it funny that um, Rip was like, go tell Elvis that his supper's ready. <laughs> Elvis. Oh. Yeah, I mean, do you think it, they acted like they didn't know each other, right? Or did, like, I got the impression that they were acting like they didn't know each other. Up until the moment that they had the private conversation. Right, yeah. but it was private. So from the back, from the picnic table, it looks like. They didn't know to, each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they so sat down. That, yeah. When they sat like, down. Why they, would you need to do that? Yeah. That's why I was thinking. Like, it just added to the shadiness of the whole cowboy situation. Because it's like, uh, okay, what is your actual name? Um, the only thing we know about him is that him and Walker worked together at some ranch in Nebraska or something. And yeah. it had to be, like, a long time ago because Walker was in prison for the last seven years. Seven years. Yeah. So I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure why the why they had to pretend like they didn't know each other or why they did pretend like they didn't know each other. I thought that was really weird. Yeah. You know, Walker again, you know, we've talked about him. He's, he's giving Cowboys sort of like the lowdown on what's going on, but he's really the conscience for me. Like, and I, I keep calling him that because he's the one who's seeing through everything and he's the only one who's got a problem with it, which in and of itself is going to become a problem because right. you can't go against the grain for so long and especially with these people and not end up right somewhere else forever <laughs> forever but yeah he's definitely unsettled and he's his disenchantment with the the yellowstone and the duttons is growing and yeah. it's just it's not going to be pretty where this ends up because we've seen already the trip to the train station and people get the snot beat out of them and um, they get hung from trees. They get hung from. I forgot Spine. about that. They get hung from trees. Fine. <laughs> I'm worried about Walker in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, like you're saying, Cowboy 
stirs up a lot of trouble in day one. So first, he's got them playing cowboy poker. Which I didn't know was a thing, but apparently once I, they said cowboy poker, they all <sighs> shook their is heads. Is it really a thing, though? Or it's I just don't a... know. But, but Lloyd knew enough about that dumbass game to know to tell him, like, well, stay seated because the bull only goes for the table first. <laughs> first. I, I took that as the operative word. Yeah. I like how Ryan, he's like, yeah. There's not a lot smart about it. <laughs> but yeah, he's still doing it. But I'm still going to do it because I'm a man and I can I can take it. I like how I like how Colby like runs off with the, the booze. He's like, oh, he's screw like, this. I'm out of here. He's like, hey, I'll know. And then Avery's the only one man enough to sit there and take it. Uh, yeah, I wrote in my notes that she's the last man standing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just love how Rip comes out at the end of like all the fray. And he's just like, he's so annoyed. Like, just go to the bar if you want to get drunk. No, he didn't tell him that because then that's what Cowboy said. Oh, no, no, I'm... right. So he's just annoyed and he tells yeah. him that there's better ways to go get drunk, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Or... So then this is Cowboy's like his other grand ideas to go to the bar. And of course, Jimmy would be the one. Well, come on. It, it's, it has to be because he's just, he's not savvy yet. No. Well, I can't even say yet with Jimmy. I don't know. He's very immature. Granted, he's only like 20 or 21. But yeah. he's also like much younger than that in a lot of ways that he acts. Yeah. Like with the whole hat on the bed thing, you know, from last season. I like how earlier in the episode, Avery called him Gilligan. Gilligan. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes. <laughs> That's exactly. Yeah. He's just kind of like just out there and a little doofy, but very sweet. And Aww, he's trying to be sweet to Avery and some other guy comes up. But, you know, she sticks up for herself and for Jimmy. Yeah. But then Jimmy's like cocky. He thinks that no one's going to mess with the Yellowstone. And then the bar brawl ensues. I just laughed. I just wrote in my notes. I said, there's just lots of plaid shirts and cowboy hats flying around. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, it's fantastic. It's a lot of plaid. So then this brings us to, like, the best moment for me in Yellowstone. When Casey gets wind of, like, the the fight and what happened. And just roll up a a trailer up to the entrance of the bar and let loose a bull. As you do. (laughs) in a bar in a bar my son happened to see the scene with like mm-hmm. the, the bull was at the bar like it like he put his like the bull actually put his head on the bar and i thought my son was gonna like fall over laughing he's like why is he in a bar <laughs> i was like get out they have bad words in here <laughs> uh, yeah you know you have these movie quotes that sort of stick in your head and the way and so i quote movies a lot but Same. this uh came up to me like from sweet home alabama when she was like you have a baby in a bar <laughs> and i was like you have a bull That's in a so bar <laughs> i was like yes like that's immediately what i thought oh i'm such a dork anyways that was so fun <laughs> like who like there was even that? more flannel and uh, cowboy hats flying around trying to like as the guys were trying to like avoid the bull basically like hanging on pool cues hanging on the pool whatever they could right? get on okay but how crazy is it that they send him out the back door to beat the shit out of him with baseball bats like what yeah well Good i mean they already blocked the front door it, like took a turn from like funny to like damn yeah like that's aggressive yeah like to like godfather level i know that was pretty awful i mean like they were literally like hitting them across the face with a baseball bat that's pretty horrifically violent yeah yeah like you could have just let the bull loose and let them all like scramble around for a while enough like you know you're not gonna mess with the yellowstone like this is what happens when you do like when you mess with the bull you get the horns right but this took a very dark turn right yeah it went from funny to like gruesome like walker is just standing by and rip is in his face this is 
bad. Yeah. Walker, I guess kudos to him for staying up for himself, but I mean, this is not going to go well for you, dude. I mean, I agree. I would have a hard time participating in this activity, but like it's sort of save yourself. There's no redemption for participating or not participating at this point. Right. <sighs> Which is another reason why I feel at some point this is not going to bode well for Walker. His, um... I mean, like today, like this is this is what you're, because <laughs> Rip told him like in the middle of it to like get involved and he didn't. So right, just stood there like in his face, yeah. but didn't say anything, I mean... didn't flinch, didn't do anything. So yeah, I mean, this is this is bad for Walker. This is like you're going to defy Rip to his face. In the middle of, like, him telling you to do something. Right. Like, but again, this isn't the Army. This isn't the Navy. Like, you know, orders yeah, but it's the are given. <laughs> right. But, but they've got a brand. So I don't know what that yeah. means in terms of, like, you know, someone giving orders and the following of or, or the lack of following of orders. Right. There's a lot. There's a lot to take it's in. a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And it was like hilarious and funny and, and dark. then like really bad. You know, we had the, the darkness with Monica and the Columbus and the genocide. Yeah. And then we had the darkness with the bar. But, you know, just I guess in wrapping up, I just I really like how the show doesn't dance around the issues pertaining to the Native American history, both with mm-hmm. Rainwater and with Monica. Rainwater wanted to do exactly to the white man that has been done to them and, and Monica's, you know, diatribe against the Bureau of Indian Affairs in Columbus and the, the, the policies that have been enacted so the show is really good at bringing like the oppression right back in your face and yeah. making you think about it and deal with it. So I look forward to that, especially with her now taking on the role as a teacher of right. American studies. Like, what is she going to say? Yeah, like, I, just, I can't wait. So. I know. And then, you know, I got to know how John's doing. I got to know, like, you know, do we send flowers to the bedside? Yeah. So, John, I mean, I feel like he looks, it seemed like he was going to be okay. But he seems stable, but who knows? We have a huge hole with Jamie. So this has got to be, like, the next thing, right? The, the next big shoe to drop. The next big boot to yeah. drop. Right. Jamie and Walker. Yeah. Walker. Yeah, trouble. <laughs> Avery's going to do something the next episode to get them all killed. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back real soon for episode two. So if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts where you can rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. So whenever we drop a new episode, it'll just appear in your feed. That would be great. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. This is Steph. And this is Sheila. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.